There's no optimism unless the Islanders start winning consistently. They're built for playoff-style hockey. They're not built for the 82-game grind. Talk about other players that could be traded. I think they're showcasing Sebastian Ajo right now. A whole bunch of would-haves, could-haves, should-haves. Newsday presents the Island Ice Podcast with Andrew Gross. And welcome to Island Ice, Newsday's New York Islanders podcast, episode 128. A jam-packed coming-home episode. Hi, I'm Andrew Gross of Newsday. You can find me on Twitter at agrossnewsday. And please check out newsday.com backslash aisles for all of Newsday's Islanders content. And like I said, a jam-packed episode coming off a five-game Western swing that ended 2-2-1 two, two, and one, with Tuesday night's heartbreaking 5-3 loss to the NHL best Colorado Avalanche. I've got some audio from Coach Barry Trotz and ex-Islander Devon Tays, and then in a little bit I'll be joined by a familiar voice to Islander fans in Mike Carver, who hosted the Isles Seat podcast and can now be heard with the legendary Scott Farrell on Farrell Coast to Coast on Sports Grid, both TV and radio. After that, plenty of your questions in the Andrews Answers segment. But first, to wrap up this trip, and this is being dubbed the coming home episode because the Islanders opened a six-game homestand against the Canucks on Thursday at UBS Arena, and I'll be spending a good portion of Wednesday in the air back to JFK after 10 days on the road. I really did think these five games were a microcosm of this season. There were some really decently strong performances that led to wins in Seattle and Anaheim, a uh, good performance that yielded one point in San Jose because, again, the Islanders just can't win in overtime or in a shootout, and two losses to playoff teams. Uh, a clunker against the Los Angeles Kings and a game against the Avalanche where maybe they should have won if Sebastian Ajo's goal counted or if the Islanders get a power play uh, for Ajo being taken down on that waved-off goal of his in the third period, rather than the Avalanche heading the other way to score the winner after Ajo's apparent goal was overturned via video review. But that's the season, right? A whole bunch of would-haves, could-haves, should-haves. But here's a stat that I keep coming back to when, when we talk about whether the Islanders can make a run or not. The Islanders, after losing to the Avalanche, whether they played well or not, are now 3-17-1 against teams holding playoff spot. And they've been outscored 78-41 to in those games. And obviously, that's just not good enough. And uh, after the loss to the Avalanche, I, I, I asked Barry Trotz about that, uh, just whether the loss and, and the five-game road trip taken as a whole did seem like a microcosm of this season. And Parks, I think our, you know, this trip we could have been three and two, and maybe even four and one if uh, if we would have got this game. Uh, I thought the the one game that we had a clunker was LA. Uh, I wouldn't say Seattle uh, at all was a was a, a it was a good game for us. Um, I thought the San Jose was a really good game, and really we you know it was just special teams that won it for San Jose. Um, I thought we responded to Anaheim with a real solid game. You know, another game here that we were pretty solid. So 
I, I like a lot of parts for our game, but we haven't been able to close the deal on, on a couple of them. Uh, um, they're all good teams out here. And this being the, as I said, they're, they were 34 or 35, 4 and 3 in their last 41. And, uh, I thought we handled them pretty, pretty well for the most part tonight. Uh, but we didn't get the, didn't get the result. But yeah, in some ways, uh, you know, not getting the result or something strange happening to us, uh, you know, last, uh, say if you're looking at last year, if you will, the hockey gods would have, we would have scored. Pajot would have scored that the uh, Sebastian Otto goal would have ended up being in. Lizzy Stick would have knocked it in rather than maybe, you know, kept it from going over the line. And, and, uh, Bellows and Stick probably would have missed that puck and when it went in the net and we'd be talking a different tune here. So, um, yeah, this stuff, there's some stuff you can control and some you can't. And there's some randomness to, to the game. Now, before Tuesday's game, I had the chance, along with one other traveling media outlet, to sit down with Islanders president and GM Lou Lamarillo for about a 20-minute chat. And again, you can find my article on that interview at newsday.com backslash aisles. And to sum up quickly, Lou still believes in the core of this team. He still believes in Barry Trotz as the coach. And he, he insisted he hasn't decided yet whether to be a buyer or a seller. He said it, it, it changes day by day. And that's probably as he watches the Islanders look good one day and then look not so good another day. But uh, look, Lou's a smart guy. I, I think he knows which way he's leading come the March 21st trade deadline. And Lou also said while there are... There are extenuating circumstances this season. Uh, the long road trip to start, the 13 games on the road, the COVID outbreaks, the, the postponements, the long stretches be, between games. Uh, Lou, Lou doesn't believe in excuses. He said he doesn't believe in excuses. And, and he pointed more to the fact that there have been players on the Islanders not performing to what was expected. And really, that that much is obvious. Goal scorers, Lou said, who are not scoring goals. And Lou's job now, uh, between now and March 21st, and then a uh, bigger picture between March 21st and the start of next season, is to properly analyze what has happened this season and whether it's an aberration or whether he needs to make more significant changes to the core before next season starts. Uh, Of course, Lou, who plays everything close to the vest, and uh, he did not give a clue to which way he was thinking. Uh, he, He is still holding out hope for this season and but 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 this is this is me speaking now, not Lou. It's just not happening this season because for as good as the Islanders can play, or, or for as good as the Islanders played for long parts of the game against the Avalanche, there are going to be more games just like that where they do play well and they don't get results. And then if this season, uh, so far as any indication, there are going to be enough games where they just don't play well. Uh, there are plenty of games left against playoff opponents who we've documented they just can't seem to beat. There, there's just not enough runway left in the season to overcome all of that. Um, and, and also in Colorado, I had the chance to speak 
to ex-Islander Devontaze, who now has a career-high 10 goals and a career-high 32 assists after uh, being named the first star against the Islanders with a goal and two assists. And uh, he's, he's paired with the spectacular Kale McCarr, and, and Taze said he holds no ill will towards Lou or the Islanders for being traded. And truth be told, he's, he's really pretty, pretty happy with the Avalanche. He, he's in a great situation, you know. So why should he be angry at the Islanders for trading him? He, he, could, he could very well win a Stanley Cup this season if, if the Avalanche are able to, you know, kind of deepen their roster. They're, they're a little bit top-heavy with with their spectacular top two lines. They they probably need some third and fourth line help and we'll get to a little bit more of that in Andrew's answers. But uh I also asked Devontae's whether he was surprised at how the Islanders have struggled this season and his answer became very prescient uh given what happened later that night as the Avs beat the Islanders. Yeah, definitely. It, it's it's a team over there that loves to win and, uh, you know, is working to win every single day. Um, they have great leadership in, in Leasy and throughout the whole, you know, locker room, really. Everybody has a great voice in there. And I think they're, they're definitely a little bit frustrated with the way it's gone. And they've had some bad bounces, too. You know, a lot of things haven't gone their way that really wasn't in their control in a way. But if you watch their games day in, day out, they're working hard. They're doing the things, they're doing the right things. And the coaching staff is, is, you know, preaching it to them and doing a good job with them. And, uh, you know, sometimes it's just not working out or they're not getting the balance on any given night. And uh, the league is so good. You know, one night it could be just the smallest balance and you, you end up losing a game. So uh, they're working hard. And, um, you know, I'm hoping they go on a run here as well. Just, just not tonight. <laughs> and with that, it's now my pleasure to present my chat with Mike Carver, one of the really good guys in this business and someone who deserves all the success he's currently having. And I, as I've been previewing, uh, I'm really happy to bring my, uh, my guest in, Mike Carver. Islander fans, you know him so well. He, for years, did the ILC podcast. And now he's doing, he's a, he's a big boy now. He's doing, uh, <laughs> we're all coast to coast on Sports Grid, and he's doing Carter and Lisey on sports grid uh that's also on sirius xm you can see him on tv through sports grid and and mike you know i it's wonderful to talk to you and i'm i'm so happy to give you a chance to talk some islanders because i know you're probably not doing a lot of that lately uh, andrew always great to talk to you my man and you're right it's it's been a very <laughs> weird year i think i joked to you when i when I was talking to you the other day, when I was texting, you, I was like, man, I picked a good year just to kind of slow down to the show. It's been so tough for the Islanders, but I still love talking. It's still passionate to me, Andrew, like years and years doing the show with B comp. Um, and then the last couple, you know, I was doing it solo. I, you know, I love talking about this team. And that was at a time when nobody was talking about the team. And now, Andrew, as you know, I mean, there's what seventy five Islander podcasts now. Yeah, so I, I, I am. I, I have a. I have a numbered. Uh, you know, certificate. I think I'm number <laughs> thirty four of seventy five. Well, listen. I wanna. I wanted to get you on. Just. I, I want to give you the floor here. What's your visceral reaction to what we've seen? You know, fifty games into this season that 
you know, not to be a party pooper is probably uh, not going to end in a playoff uh, run. No, here. it's it's probably not. I'd say it's definitely not going to. You know what it was for me, Andrew, at the beginning? So many things went wrong that I kind of felt were out of their control for the first three months of the year. Like, listen, when you start the first six weeks, seven weeks on the road, whether it was a full road trip or not, obviously they were home a lot. They had to take various trips, but they didn't play an actual home game, you know, until the weekend before Thanksgiving. You know, that's challenging in the NHL to go that long without being in front of your home crowd. And then when they finally do get to play, start playing some home games, you know, 85% of the team gets COVID. So it's like, and and that Andrew, of course, was at a time when the NHL wasn't canceling games for COVID. They yeah. waited until a couple weeks later. Yeah, they, they were total guinea pigs for, for that whole thing. <laughs> Them in Ottawa. I mean, the Islanders in Ottawa really got yeah. put in that, were the first two teams that got put in a very tough spot around Thanksgiving, and the league hadn't seen it yet, and they didn't really know what to do. So they made the Islanders basically play with, you know, you saw it, pretty much the Sound Tiger team. I yeah. mean, it was. It, it was brutal, and and you knew they weren't canceling those games uh, that opening weekend at UBS. They no. were they were going to put whoever they could out there that weekend with uh, Calgary and Toronto. It didn't matter. Uh, they had to play it because they didn't want to move that back. But I just thought Andrew at the beginning, a couple things that were out of their control, and then you you know you turn the calendar to January. Everybody kind of got that ten to fourteen day reset, and you looked around and you were like, all right, look, they got a lot of games in hand. There's some things that they could do. And then it just, they, they couldn't find their game. And then Barry was gone for a week and a half. To, yeah. You know, then it just, Andrew, it just seems like nothing ever got going for them. Yeah. And, and then it, it just, it, by this time, you're just like, listen, it's just, let's erase the blackboard and come back next year and start again. That's kind right. of weird. Yeah, yeah. You know, to me, and you bring it up, that's been, I guess, a little bit of a surprise is that, when they did have the whole gang together, they didn't look that much better than they had, you know, in in November and December. They just, they have games like they had the other night or or last night um, in Anaheim where they look like a playoff team. You know, they, they, they play a structured game. They get the great goaltending. They're getting uh, scoring across the lineup. And then you have the night before in LA where they just couldn't compete. And, and to me, that's the difference in the season right there. They cannot compete against playoff quality teams. I think uh, I did the stats again last night. I think it's 3-16-1 against yeah. teams that hold the playoff spot. And to me, that's the biggest surprise this season is that they can't compete on that level. Yeah, that's that's the crazy part because I feel like, Andrew, the last two years, that was kind of the calling card for this team. They played better against mm-hmm. the better teams. Absolutely. And the games that you would scratch your head would be when they would drop a 3-2 game to Buffalo. Like you'd be like, "What did the Islanders just do that night?" And then they would go out and they'd rip off 4 out of 5 against the Capitals or against Boston, like especially that though that's why this year is so backwards in so many ways. It's just hard to explain. Like mm-hmm. uh, you know and, and and you know the fans they immediately want to just uh, you know, we got to rip things down. I don't know. I think it's been such an, a, a bizarre year that you kind of just got to take a step back when it's over and go, all right, well, what really happened here? And I think, unfortunately, for the Islanders, when Lou and Barry and everybody sits down, 
They're going to look at this laundry list of things that just nothing went their way from the start to the finish. And here's the other thing for me, Andrew, that I, I was kind of talking about this before the season even started. They got to the final four two years in a row. Now they were weird seasons. Mm -hmm. Uh, We all know that. I mean, two years ago, the when COVID first hit and they, and they did the bubble in Toronto. I mean, the Islanders, they weren't making the playoffs. They were trending towards not making the playoffs that year. They didn't play very well. They get to Toronto. They're in that bubble format. This team's built to play teams in five and seven game series. Like they were doing there. They're built for playoff style hockey. They're not built for the 82 game grind. And I think that that was a problem. Even the two years that they made it to the final four and so many things went right for them. I thought things would go wrong. I didn't think they'd go this wrong, but I thought that they would probably get, not get some of the breaks that they had gotten to get to the final four the last two years. So that all being said, what's your prescription doctor for, for moving, (laughs) for moving ahead. And I agree with you when the, the curtain rises on next season, you're not going to see a whole new Islander team. The, the core no. of the team is signed, and and I don't see Lou and Barry, you know, doing major surgery here. They're going to work in the margins. They do certainly need uh, another puck-moving defenseman oh. uh, in, in the worst way because they're just not playing fast hockey because they can't complete their passes and break out on a consistent basis. And they need, you know, it, it's been good to see Kyle Palmieri potting a few goals here, but they need a scoring wing in, in the worst way. So, you know, when you look at next season, are, are you optimistic about where this franchise can go off of this kind of season? I, I think that you still have the core and the guts of a team that you've seen that can go far. I think the tweaks that need to be made are kind of what I was just saying. I think they need to f- get a little bit more built for the whole entire year and not just for the playoffs. I think the team is very built for the playoffs. Now you're right about the puck moving defenseman two years ago. You had to lose Taves. Yeah. You know, and they, and they got through it. Then they have to get rid of Letty too. All right. That's two guys who kind of filled that role and you haven't really replaced them yet. Are there a couple candidates who maybe two years from now? Now, Dobson's, I think, already – you can see Dobson's already great. But, yeah. he, you know, you need somebody else in that, in that role. And, and I think that maybe that's the guy – that type of guy that you want to target when we get into the offseason and we get into the draft time and when it's time to start wheeling and dealing. And I know there's not a lot of pieces, Andrew, that – you can maybe move to try to get a guy like that. Cause those guys don't grow on trees. I mean, this is not, and they're not available in free agency because teams sign them. They re-sign guys like that. They don't let them go out of all the guys that are there now who you probably can offer up. Who's the guy. It's probably Bavillier for me, Andrew. Like yeah. it's just, it, it, it's probably him as good as he's been in the playoffs, his inconsistency over the regular season it just, it, it's, it's not there. You know, he doesn't, he's not there enough for them for a guy who's, who's had some big moments in the playoffs. Yeah, and I think know. to get somebody a similar age to him on the defensive side, puck moving, I think that maybe there could be a match and you probably have to, you know, whoever it is, depending, there'd be a bigger deal built. But I, I think that that's kind of the angle they're going to have to go. I, I'm sure teams are calling about Beauvillier. He would yeah. be the guy that interests me if I'm I'm an opposing GM. The Islanders' problem is you talk about this team not playing fast enough. 
if you lose Beauvillier, yeah, you, you take it down another notch. And you know, Bo has turned into a really good two hundred foot player here. He has. Yeah, so yeah, ba- Barry's listen. Barry's done the Barry and Lane and those. They've done the work on him. They've they've turned him into that type of player. Um, you've got decisions to make. Do how how in are they on Bellows and Wallstrom? Are those are, do, do they like them enough that they're going to be the guys in the next two or three years who have to take the mantle? We know people get frustrated with how in and out of the lineup Oliver is. Uh, is he the guy that is a good enough chip? to get you a puck moving, the younger puck moving defenseman. I think that somebody, Andrew, to fill that need is going to have to go because they're not really available in free agency. Yeah. And the other issue is the cupboard is not particularly well stocked down in Bridgeport either. You know, we we can talk about Atu. Never really has been to be fair. (laughs) I mean, so when you talk about chips to trade, Lou is Lou doesn't necessarily he's got draft choices to move, but that yep. kind of then you're just kind of digging a deeper hole down the down the road. I I feel like that's the problem. And and he's and listen, he I think he's used them to good advantage the last couple of years. Uh using the first round pick for JG Pajot, that that's a great move that has worked out for them. Yeah. Using the first round pick last year for Paul Mary. Let's not, you know, take aside re-signing him. And what it's been this year, the reason you got him for the first round pick last year, he filled what you needed. He scored big goals in the playoffs and, yeah. and, and, and it served its purpose. Um, now you're in a different situation this year. That first round pick is going to be potentially a lot more valuable than it's been <laughs> the last couple <laughs> of years, you know? So there's, you're, I think at the draft, um, Lou would not be afraid. Cause what do we hear all the time from Lou, Andrew? Uh, Lou's not around to, to rebuild. He's here no. to win. Now no. uh, we know <laughs> what the situation, Lou and Barry, yeah. uh, let's be honest. They're, they're both in to win now. So I could absolutely see once again, draft capital being what they tried to do this summer to reshape and retool uh, what they've been working on the last couple of years. How about heading into the trade deadline? I mean, you know, all the speculation, you know, every year yeah. from the impending UFAs, Cal Clutterbuck probably would have some interest around the league. Uh, you know, would, would Zach Parisi, Zach Parisi has been, you know, amongst their three or four best forwards all season, even when he wasn't scoring, he just worked so hard. And he, he, he is an impact player for the Islanders. You know, you would think a, another playoff contender would see that. I don't know how much of a market there would be for Zdeno Chara. Uh, you know, some team teams always need defense depth. But the one guy I want to ask you about is, is it time to trade Semyon Varlamov if they can get something for him? I, I think he absolutely has to be on the table. I, I think that you've seen enough from Ilya Sorokin this year that you know he's your guy. Now I don't think that we. I think the NHL has gone away from the days where you can have an absolute hack as your backup. You can't do that anymore. We've seen it with the Islanders the last few years. Even these teams that win the cup now. How many teams that have won the cup in the last ten years have used multiple goalies to get them those sixteen wins to get yeah. to the end? So you can't have a stiff. But I, I think that they'll probably find another goaltender and 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 I think Varley's got value. Um, he really does, Andrew. You look around at some of these teams. 
um, that are going to be in the playoffs. Some of them have some very suspect goaltending, and this is a guy who, as we just mentioned earlier, has been part of two teams that have gone to the last four two years in a row, and, and I think he holds some value, and I think the other guys do as well. You take a guy like Cal Clutterbuck, I know that um, it's warm and fuzzy with the fans, uh, you know, to have that line that, that everybody loves so much with him, Casey, and Maddie. But you know what, Andrew? You've seen it. Uh, the, they got a lot of games under their belt, all, all three of them together. Now, Casey's not done. He's obviously got a little bit more, I think, in the tank than the other guys. But eventually, that line's going to be broken up for good. We thought it was broken up when Matt first left and he, and he came back. But take a team like Tampa, Andrew. You know, they lost a lot of sandpaper. Uh, from those that cup-winning team last year. And Cal Clutterbuck's the kind of guy that, and they know him well, playing him the last two years in the playoffs. He's the kind of guy that can fill a bottom six role for them in the playoffs. Absolutely. Yeah, there are a lot of teams that could slot Cal Clutterbuck in without, I mean, the Rangers would, would be incrementally better with, I mean. That'll that, get people really wild up, Andrew. There you go. <laughs> it, would, it would never happen, right? But, I mean, you know, there's been speculation with Colorado and, and, and and if you going back to Varley for a second, boy, Toronto might need a goalie in the worst. Hey, <laughs> I, I agree with you. I, I think that uh, now one of the teams that I think could use him too would never obviously never happen because they're never he's never going back to Colorado. I, I think he would help Colorado a lot. Yeah, yeah. We know what the situation is there. That's not a homecoming that's going to happen. I think Toronto is a team that you absolutely. Uh, put on the deck. If the Edmonton Oilers, Andrew, ha- can somehow get into the playoffs, yeah. I think that he would be a useful piece there because their goaltending is extremely unreliable. Um, and I and I think that if you looked around and, and hey, you know Leonard's hurt now for Vegas. They traded Flurry. Yeah. Uh, Vegas is another option. I think. I mean, you get the <laughs> get him back over there. <laughs> you know, over in uh, the Western Conference. So I think there's some possibilities for Varley. Yeah, you think you could uh, get a get a first rounder for him? Is that reaching for the sky a little too much? I I think that man, you I, I, it is possible. It, you know, it's going to depend. Yeah, how desperate? I mean, Toronto, how desperate are you, Toronto? If they think Toronto thinks they could swing it, and they and they are sure that their pick's going to be you know twenty five or better, you know, or worse, you should say. Maybe it's possible you can get him, but man, they probably don't have any pick. What's Toronto's pick situation? I feel like they trade first round picks like water as well. So yeah, I'm not yeah, sure if like, they have theirs available. Yeah, it's like George Allen running the Washington in the <laughs> early 70s. And for you kids, just go read the. Uh, oh, go, go ahead. <laughs> well, listen, I, I know you got some national stuff to do. I want to get you out here on a positive note. Hmm. What, what have you really liked about this season? You mentioned Noah Dobson. Uh, you know, what, what, what's really caught your attention this season? It's a, it's a couple guys for me, Andrew, uh, Noah Dobson I, I is clearly one. And I think Sorokin's too. I, I think we needed to see Sorokin over a long haul. And, and we've been talking this guy up for years. I did the white whale stuff. He's never going to play here. He's all, all that stuff. Me and B comp used to do. And when he came here last year, you saw the flashes. You saw how well he played against the penguins in the playoffs but you needed to see him do it over a really long haul. And I think now knowing how secure you can be in the nets with the young goaltender, that's very big. And the maturation of Dobson is also huge because he's taken steps now to where when you draft a guy that high 
And, and listen, I, I think honestly, Andrew, the NHL draft is a total crapshoot after the top five. Yeah. I think you, I think you absolutely have to nail top five picks. And when you don't, it crushes your franchise. You have to get those right. But to be quite honest with you, I feel like six through 30. I feel like, <laughs> I feel like you're throwing darts, Andrew. Like I, I really do. Like you, you, the, the success rate of hits and misses for all those slots. And when you take a guy like Dobson that high and a guy like Wallstrom that high and they end up being hits, I guess the jury, I think Wallstrom can play. I think a lot of the fans think that Wallstrom can play. We just need to see it more. And now you're starting to see Kiefer Bellows do it a little bit more too. Those were the four guys for me, Andrew, that I really wanted to see take big leaps this year. And I think we're at like two and a half right now. I think Dobson and Sorokin have taken the leap and you've seen the other two guys slowly when they get the opportunity kind of be there to do it as well. Well, listen, Mike, great stuff. And as Islander fans know, no one deserves the success you're having right now. Uh. And, and just, you know, enjoy it, buddy. You, you, you know, you certainly earned the uh, shot and uh, I'm so happy for you. No, I, I miss uh, doing the week, you know, week in, week out, sometimes twice a week talking aisles. I, I do miss it. Uh, and who knows? I haven't completely you know, put the closed door on up there, Andrew. You never know what could happen uh, down the road. But uh, for right now, uh, we're rocking at Sports Grid uh, every day with Scotty Farrell uh, from 3 to 6 East. And then I got myself a little spot at night, too, from 10 p.m. to midnight East. So we're having a lot of fun, and I'm enjoying it. Well, that's fantastic, Mike. And uh, anytime you want to spout off with the Islanders, just let me know. I appreciate it, Andrew. Thank you so much for having me. And enjoy that West Coast weather, baby. Enjoy that, Andrew, on this trip. (laughs) Again, many thanks to Mike Carver for uh, taking the time to chat some Islanders uh, with us. Uh, As you guys know, Mike Carver and Brian Compton really set a high bar uh, when they were doing their ILC podcast regularly. It's always great bringing Mike in uh, to talk some Islanders, and I really do appreciate him carving out some time with his busy broadcasting schedule. Uh, and I also appreciate you, the listeners, uh, sending in some questions for me so we can get to this segment. It's time for your questions with Andrew's Answers. We'll uh, dive right in here, and we'll start off with Thomas Boyle, who asks, with the Capitals' recent struggles, do you see the Islanders' playoff chances uh, increased a bit? And you would have to say, yeah, the Islanders' playoff chances have increased a little bit because the Capitals have suddenly uh, uh, forgotten how to win a little bit, but it's so incremental and really... It's about the Islanders. The Islanders have to take care of their own game. They can't worry about the teams ahead of them right now because it's such a big uh, distance uh, to get there. Uh, 17 points or, you know, that's what it was when the uh, Islanders, they they beat Anaheim. They're still 17 points out of a a playoff spot. And, uh, you know, before we get to the Islanders or, or, you know, the Capitals worrying about the Islanders, there's uh, the Red Wings and the Blue Jackets who are actually closer to the Capitals as they hold the final uh, wild card spot in the Eastern Conference. So yeah, on paper, the, the Capitals' struggles do offer a glint of optimism for the Islanders, but the Islanders can't 
Yeah, there's no optimism unless the Islanders start winning consistently. And even if they do, they're going to have to play close to 700 hockey the rest of the season uh, to overtake some of these teams who, you know, even if the uh, playoff contenders play 500, the Capitals obviously playing a little bit below 500 of late. But you do expect them to uh, turn it around to the point where at least they can play 500 hockey. Uh, Jonathan S. asks... With all the trade rumors swirling, which, if any moves, do you think Lou makes before the trade deadline? Uh, Also, Ilya Sorokin has had five shutouts this season, but there hasn't been nearly enough Ilya Sorokin music. What does he have to do to have his theme song played on the pod? And you know what, Jonathan S., just for you, we're going to drag this off the back wall, and we're going to give you a little Ilya Sorokin music. I, I hope you enjoyed that musical interlude. Ilya Sorokin certainly played well with his fifth shutout of the season and blanking the Anaheim Ducks for nothing. But to get back to your main point with all of the trade rumors swirling, which, if any moves, do you think Lou makes before the trade deadline? Well, I, I, I certainly expect him to move Cal Clutterbuck. And I'm leaning towards thinking he is going to try and and probably succeed in moving Semyon Varlamov. The way things have broken uh, for some playoff contenders, now is the time to trade Varley. Uh, you you want to get him playing a little bit better, uh, maybe to increase uh, his value. But I, honestly, I don't know how much you can increase it because I think it, it, his trade value is going to be pretty high. Uh, he has a really good track record in this league. He's a proven playoff goalie, and uh, that's what you would be trading for. Um, uh, beyond that, uh, you know, there, there have been rumors that maybe Lou would uh, look to trade a guy like Josh Bailey, and if you could trade Josh Bailey and Semyon Varlamov, that's another $10 million off the cap. Uh, Lou would have plenty of money to spend this offseason. Uh, I think it would be uh, a ballpark like $25 million or so uh, under the cap if he could clear another $10 million out uh, with, with some of the guys like Cal Clutterbuck will be off the books. Uh, uh, Zach Parisi, uh, well, that's you know, 750000 Same deal with Andy Green, Dano Chara. Uh, you're not clearing huge money there, but, uh, you know, if you could trade a guy like Josh Bailey um, and Simeon Varlamov, all of a sudden you can really go shopping this offseason. I, I do think Lou looks to move all of his uh, impending unrestricted free agents. I, I, I just don't see Lou, you know, unless he decides uh, that, that there's value in, in bringing back Zach Parisi now for next season, if you've made that your mind up on that. And, and the other thing with Lou is uh, he's also, as we've discussed in the pod, he's a very loyal person uh, to people who have been loyal to him. And uh, uh, I, I certainly think before he would trade as Dano Chara or, a, or, or Zach Parisi or, or an Andy Green, 
uh, for that matter. And, and probably that goes for Cal Clutterbuck as well. He would kind of approach him and, and, and suss him out on that. Now, uh, I think those guys, if given the chance, would want a, a chance to make a playoff run, uh, especially since there's no guarantee any of them would be, be, be back with the Islanders next season. But uh, I, I do think Lou would do him the, uh, the courtesy of approaching him. And, you know, if, if, if Zach Parisi says, you know what, I really, really, really don't want to go anywhere, I, you know, Lou might certainly take that into consideration. But uh, uh, let's see. Um, <laughs> uh, Neil Best, our Newsday uh, bestie and, uh, you know, friend of the show and frequent guest, Neil Best asks, what would be so bad about Barry Trotz playing out his contract next year? I think the aversion to lame duck coaches in pro sports is a little silly. Um, We could probably debate that back and forth. I I happen to think that players are are aware of this and... uh, uh, you you can tune out a coach a little bit if you you're unsure whether that co- that coach might be back the following season. Now you know the Los Angeles, the Brooklyn, and the Los Angeles Dodgers proved uh, proved Neil's uh, you know can, uh, point here that it might be a little lame duck because Walter Alston played on uh, managed under one year deals. I think uh, all twenty plus seasons he led the Dodgers, but. When it comes specifically to Barry, I don't think he wants to go into a lame duck season after what happened to him in Washington. Uh, You know, he wins the cup, but everyone knew, everyone was pretty sure he was out of Washington uh, one way or another after uh, the the 2018 playoffs. So I I don't necessarily think Barry... Uh, wants to go into a uh, contract year. I think he would like to know what the Islanders are thinking. Um, JJ says, what players might they trade away and who, what would the return be? If we trade away players, what prospects are ready to take the open roster spots? Yes, I'm giving up on this season, but still love this team. <laughs> well, it's, it's good to hear, JJ. And, you know, besides... Uh, well, I mentioned six players, right? I mentioned Clutterbuck, Chara, uh, Parisi. Um, who did I miss there? Chara, Green, right? So I met uh, the, the four impending unrestricted free agents. There have been those rumors out there about uh, Bailey and Varlamov. Uh, and as, uh, you know, uh, I discussed with Mike Carver, I think teams are, are going to be asking about Anthony Beauvillier. I think teams would ask about Scott Mayfield because he's got one more year to go with a really team-friendly cap figure at $1.5 million. You know, for sure teams are going to ask about it, Noah Dobson, uh, but I, I, I would have to think Noah Dobson is an absolute untouchable at this point. And as Mike said, you, you would like to think... Uh, Oliver Wallstrom might be an untouchable, but uh, I, I think Mike Carver made a good point and uh, I'm not 100% sure on that. And, uh, you know, I, I, if teams are interested in Kiefer Bellows, I, I also think the Islanders would listen in on that. Um, as far as what prospects are ready to take the open roster spots if, if they are created, that is the issue, right? I, I, we, we'd like to see more of Robin Sallow. Uh, 
he was he was good in spots when he was given a chance. Um, but beyond that, it's uh, there's been real no no real indication that Simon Holmstrom is on the doorstep of breaking into the NHL. The same goes for Atu Rati, um, and maybe Samuel Bolduck might be the next guy uh, you would consider a defenseman. Uh, really. Uh, one of the prospects now that we're monitoring is, is the goalie, uh, Jakub Skarek, uh, the AHL goalie of the, the month in January. And, and especially if the, uh, uh, the Islanders trade away Simeon Varlamov, uh, I, I certainly think, uh, as Mike Carver said, they would, you know, look for a cheaper alternative as a backup goalie. But, you know, Jakub Skarek is one of those prospects that uh, I, I think the organization is is high high on a, at this moment. Um, Brian G says Cal Clutterbuck to Colorado seems to be picking up steam. Uh, have you heard anything? And uh, well, it, it picked up steam after Avalanche GM. Uh, Joe Sackick showed up at UBS Arena to scout in person. And look, any playoff team, again, as Mike Carver and I discussed, uh, needs a, a gritty sandpaper guy like Cal Clutterbuck. And uh, I, I think Clutterbuck to Colorado makes a lot of sense. I have not heard anything specific to that coming out of the Islanders side, but you know the story there. Uh, not much leaks out from under Lou Lamarillo's uh, uh, umbrella. Everything comes from around the rest of the NHL. Um, but look, Clutterbuck, like I said, Clutterbuck to Colorado makes a lot of sense. And uh, I, But I think other teams are going to be in it as well. And then it's Lou deciding on the timing as to when he gets the best possible deal um, which reminds me that I didn't necessarily uh, answer all of JJ's question about what the returns might be. And uh, could you get a number one for Simeon Varlamov? More likely it would be uh, a number two and maybe uh, uh, another draft choice, a two and a three or a two and a prospect. Um, maybe they squeeze a number one out of a really desperate team. I think you could uh, uh, count Toronto in uh, as a desperate team for a goalie. Um, Cal Clutterbuck, you get a third round pick for him, maybe maybe a second round, depending on, on how teams value uh, a sandpaper guy like him. Uh, as far as, you know, if Zach Parisi goes... Yeah, you're probably, again, looking in the third-rounder range, I would think, uh, at best. Um, and maybe a little bit lower for a Zdeno Chara or an Andy Green. Uh, although, you know, the prices on defensemen always seem to rise because teams always want those defensemen uh, <laughs> come playoff time. So it, it just depends on, uh, you know, I keep using this word desperate, but, you know, how motivated these teams are to make a trade and how close some of the teams think they are this season. And if it fortifies them to win a Stanley Cup this season, will they go to a, a third rounder instead of a fourth rounder? Will they go to a second rounder instead of a third rounder? A lot of teams who think they are close will go that that extra, you know, not kick it up a level 
uh, to, to get the deal done. Um, let's see. Uh, Sab says, uh, with Zdeno Chara's injury and seeing how refreshed Andy Green was last night, will we see Robin Sallow brought back uh, to be added in a rotation to keep the older defensemen fresh during this upcoming compressed schedule? Sallow will be back when the Islanders have a need to play him regularly. Uh, I, I don't think they want him. I, I know they don't want him sitting on the bench. So it, it just depends uh, how many defensemen they're down. Right now, they can go with their six. Um, they, they don't have that extra defenseman, but I don't see Robin Sallow being brought up to be a seventh defenseman. And uh, I, I think, you know, you talk about other players that could be traded. I think they're showcasing Sebastian Ajo right now. Um, and his play has improved a little bit. So, uh, uh, you know, um, I, I, I don't think, even with Chara's injury, I, I don't think Ajo comes out uh, before the trade deadline. At the, you know, after the trade line, get back to me, there, because then, you know, there might be a chance, especially if the Islanders wave the white flag, um, there may be a chance for a, a guy like Robin Salo to get some really good NHL uh, time in uh, looking forward to next season. Um, let's see. Adam Schechter says this team shows flashes of the squad that went to consecutive Stanley Cup semifinals, but also finds way to lose games in maddening ways. Who are the Islanders really? If we're thinking of the future, is this core good enough to get back to being a contender with some retooling? And that's, you know, <laughs> there's a lot of million-dollar questions in there. Um, number one, is this core good enough to get back to being a contender? Was this season an aberration? And, you know, uh, we're going to find out because, as, as I've been saying, uh, the core of this team is sticking together past this season. Yeah, you know, he might be able to trade a Josh Bailey, but the the main core, uh, Anders Lee is signed, uh, Matthew Barzell is signed. I, 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 they're not going to weaken their strength down the middle, which means Barzell, Nelson, Pajot, Sezikis are all signed uh, past this season, uh, some of them for the long term. Uh, Kyle Palmieri, you're not going to be able to move him. He'll He'll be back. Uh, Pellet Pulak, they're, they're coming back. Dobson's coming back. Sorokin's there. So the, the core is here. The work's going to be done around the margins. And depending on how much uh, salary cap capital uh, Lou Lamarillo has this offseason. Uh, for Lou and Barry's sake, they're, they're going to have to hope that this core is good enough to get back to where they are. Who are the Islanders really? I... It's it's a great question, uh, one that I probably don't have a great answer to at this moment because, like many of you, I'm really befuddled by this season, and we've gone over ad infinitum why things have broken or, or might have broken the way they are, but I, I, I just come back to the fact that this group can't put consecutive wins together, and they can't play consistent hockey, and they, they can't beat the good team. So who are the Islanders really? Right now, they're not a very good team. Um, that's the reality of it. But 
is it not a very good team just having a, a weird season? And again, that's the million-dollar question. I tend to think that if you start with a clean slate and if you add a puck-moving defenseman and a little scoring help on the wing, this core is still good. Uh, you you got a ton of strength down the middle that's and in net, and that's a really good place to start. And, and honestly, uh, also on the defensive side of things, having Pelic, Pulak, and Dobson, that's a, 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 an excellent foundation for any, you know, top six. And uh, uh, depending on whether Scott Mayfield is back or not, he, you know, if he's used uh, in in a, in a second or a third pair role, uh, that again, that's that's four really, really, really solid NHL defensemen. You know, Robin Sallow's coming. You hope Samuel Bolduck is coming. You hope they can bring in a puck moving defenseman because Noah Dobson can't be the only one. Um, but still, I, I, I tend. I'm going to go glass half full and call this season an aberration and say the Islanders still at heart are a very good team, or at least a good team, a playoff contending team. Anthony says, lots of Islanders fans think or assume Barry Trotz played Zdeno Chara in recent weeks solely to help him break the record. Is there any truth to that? And then, Alexander Cloutier says, will Chara be traded soon? Um, And again, as I mentioned, uh, NHL trade deadline March 21st, I don't think Zdeno Chara would be the first defenseman off the trade board. He's probably going to be on or about March 21st when a lot of other deals have already been made. And then, you know, one of the teams who after all those moves have been made, maybe is there without a seat in the game of defense musical chairs. They decide to bolster their defense. That's when a a Zdeno Chara would be traded. So will he be traded soon? It's a relative question. I think if he gets traded, it would be closer to the March 21st deadline. And as far as playing Chara solely to help him break the record, I I don't think... uh, I, I, I'm not subscribing to that. I, I think Barry Trotz was playing Zdeno Chara, honestly, because he, that's what he thought balanced his defense off the most and gave him the best chance to win. He really likes how Chara works with Noah Dobson. Um, you know, I, I mean... Certainly, the team was very aware of Zdeno Chara's impending record, even if Zdeno Chara uh, tried like heck to downplay it. Um, but that that that's that's not how Barry rolls. Is is just a if he didn't think Zdeno Chara could help him win, he wouldn't have him on the ice. Um, Hector Cordero says, "Which players are the Islanders targeting to make trades?" As Forsberg won. Um, Look, a lot of teams, if the Nashville Predators actually wind up trading uh, Philip Forsberg, there's going to be a line around the, uh, the, the, the out the door to uh, see what it would take to acquire Philip Forsberg. Um, I would tend to think the Islanders, you know, they could 
they could send a huge package to Nashville, but I think like was the case with J.G. Pajot, they would only do it if they knew they were going to sign him. Otherwise, it makes more sense to wait until he gets to a free agency. Um, and I'm, I'm not convinced that the Preds are going to wind up trading Philip Forsberg. They got a really good thing going on this, uh, this season under coach John Hines. And, you know, David Poyle has, his track record is he winds up getting his guys signed. Um, you know, that's not a hundred percent, but I don't think the Predators want to lose Philip Forsberg at all. And I think they figure out a way to get it done. Um, as as far as other players the Islanders might be targeting, like I said, they need a, a puck-moving defenseman um, for sure. But, uh, you know, as it comes to the NHL trade deadline, I, I certainly expect them to be sellers, not buyers, if they're not making a run at the playoffs here. But uh, here's one name I'll throw out to you, and I, I throw this out only because of Lou's track record of trading with the New Jersey Devils. He acquires uh, he acquires Andy Green, a guy he signed as an undrafted free agent. He traded for Kyle Palmieri. That is not a guy that he actually acquired with the Devils, but certainly he's familiar with that organization. And he also acquired Travis Zajac, uh, who is one of his favorites. Um, you know, one of the guys he picked with the Devils. So I, I, I'm just throwing this name out. I don't know if the Devils will wind up moving him, but defenseman Damon Severson, who is a, a right-handed shot, um, could be moved as uh, he's got one more season left on his deal. Um, the Devils could move on from Damon Severson, and I certainly think Lou Lamarillo would kick the uh, kick the tires on a Damon Severson if uh, if the Devils decided to move him. You know, Damon is not necessarily a Bobby Orr puck moving defenseman, or you know, Brian Leach, a guy like that, but. He is good at getting the puck out of his own zone and, and helping to skate it up ice. He, he, he gets pucks deep in his zone very well. He's, he, he makes a decent first pass and he makes quick decisions and, and, and he helps the Devils get out of their zone uh, with frequency. And that is something the Islanders really, really need. So I, I'm just throwing that out there, um, that if if Damon Severson is going to be traded by, by the Devils, I, I think that is a player the Islanders might look at a little bit. Um, All Things Isles says, thoughts on how Johnston and, uh, that's Ross Johnson and Sebastian Ajo have improved this year. Um, I, you guys have heard me say I, I'm always a big fan of Ross Johnson. That's because, you know, he's one of the guys I enjoy interacting with the most. Um, just a, a really nice guy. And I, I want to see him. I want to see him have all the success possible. And I really enjoyed watching that game in Anaheim, his first two assist game as he uh, finally gets into his 100th NHL game. It's taken him a long time to get there. And don't forget, Ross has signed 
he's already signed his extension, so he's got another four years uh, at a really team-friendly price. Um, and look, when, when Cal Clutterbuck is traded, I, I, Ross Johnson is going to get more uh, consistent playing time for sure. He, he has softer hands than you would think in terms of the hand-eye coordination uh, to get off like that no-look pass that he set up Casey Sezikis' goal with against the Ducks. Um, he's got a decent shot. He can certainly punch a guy pretty hard. Um, he's, he's improved his skating dramatically, uh, not just this season. I'm talking over the course of his career. Um, as far as how he's improved this year, you know what? He just he hasn't played enough to uh, to really pinpoint it to this year. Um, the, the, what I'm talking about with Ross is uh, more of a blanket statement stuff that he's improved since I've started covering the team, which uh, uh, was the last month or so of Dougie Waite's tenure here. As far as Sebastian Ajo. He has gotten better the last few games. He was a turnover machine, especially uh, in that loss to the Canadians. Uh, he was really rough to watch. Um, but now he has assists in five straight, uh, or he had a, uh, you know, assists in five straight games. You know what? He's a little bit small uh, as an NHL defenseman, and he has, he's going to have to learn to compensate for that. Thomas Hickey did for a long time. Um, I'm not quite convinced Sebastian Ajo is a regular, everyday NHL defenseman, um, but I think the Islanders are certainly trying to convince other teams that he is. NY Isle says, please discuss the perpetual misery of the New York Islanders power play the last four years. It's rarely, it rarely improves from 20th in the league or worse. Can the Islanders import a successful assistant coach who specializes in the power play. And uh, look, uh, Scott Gomez was running it when Barry was first here, and then they bring in Jim Hiller from Toronto. I don't necessarily think it's the systems. I just think they need more consistency in getting the puck on net uh, from the blue line. You know, Ryan Pulak is a, is a big bomber with his shot, and Noah Dobson is getting better and better. And that type of stuff helps the power play, but that has not been there consistently uh, for the for the the, for the last four years. Um, you know, you, you saw a streak. Uh, I think it was in December, going to January, when the Islanders started clicking on their power play, uh, at least for a brief uh, span, at a thirty percent clip, which was well above the NHL norm. And when they were doing it, it was. They they weren't they didn't make big changes. They just were getting pucks on net and banging away at rebounds. And uh, you know Oliver Wallstrom has a really good shot. And uh, Barry has tried to move him around on the power play, not just situate him in the Alex Ovechkin spot. Um, I think he'll get better on, on the power play, but it really it just. It's a matter of getting more pucks on net and, and a willingness to shoot um, rather than systems and X's and O's. And uh, that will do it 
for your questions. I appreciate all of them. And thank you to listening for listening uh, to the podcast, uh, episode 128 of the Island Ice podcast. And thank you again to Mike Carver. You can hear him on uh, Pharrell Coast to Coast uh, on Sports Grid. That's uh, three to six. You can, uh, that's both on TV and via Sports Grid, and then he uh, does a show at night, uh, Carver and Lisi, uh, that's Sports Grid, Sirius XM. Uh, my thanks to Mike Carver. And if you were looking for any of the Islanders' content that I or the Newsday team provides, you can find that at newsday.com backslash aisles. Until the next episode, happy hockey, everybody.